What's really, 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 really cool about it is that she's got kids who are in quarantine and they still get to collaborate with the kids that are in the classroom. That's awesome. We are working up to, we have this, you know, a big goal of being able to collaborate across our district and even maybe even across the state at some point in time. Podcast PDNC. Where it's not sit and get. It's listen and launch. February 25th, 2021 marked the 10-year anniversary of Digital Learning Day, not just here in North Carolina, but nationwide. With the huge role technology has played in education over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, many more people have come to realize just how important the effective use of technology in the classroom is. Digital Learning Day has always been a way to highlight effective digital teaching practices, tools, and resources. And this year, the focus was on celebrating and honoring our educators who have stepped up and in many cases out of their comfort zones to ensure their students' success in the face of uncertainty. As ILCs, we decided that an exciting way to share what some of our incredible educators are doing to enhance the learning experience for their students was to get the scoop right from the source. So we decided to host a series of short conversations live on Twitter on February 25th, Digital Learning Day. We spoke in all with 11 different folks from North and South Carolina, all the way up to Michigan. If you weren't able to tune into the live event, we have the links to all the videos on Twitter available on our website at bit.ly forward slash NCILC. That's bit.ly forward slash capital N-C-I-L-C. We've also decided to use these conversations as part of a series of episodes for Moments of Inspiration and Podcast PDNC. So be sure to be on the lookout for all 11 of these fabulous conversations to drop as podcast episodes coming soon. In this episode of Podcast PDNC, you are going to hear the conversation we had with Heather Fulbright, who is an ITF in Catawba County Schools. Stacy, take it away. Okay, so we are back with our NC Digital Learning Day um, chats with educators across North Carolina. And with us today is the amazing Heather Fulbright from my home district of Catawba County. And uh, my name is Stacy Lovedahl. If you're just tuning in, I am on loan to DPI's Digital Teaching and Learning Division. And I work with Chris Benick, who serves the central part of the state, and Molly Holloman, who serves the eastern part of the state. But, you know, in the times of corona, we're everywhere. So um, welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, I'm excited. Will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be an ITF? Uh, So I have been teaching since 2009. I started in kindergarten, worked my way into fifth grade, and then fourth grade in Catawba County. Uh, I taught for six years at Van Oak in the same grade level with an amazing teammate who I think she taught me more about teaching than the first three years of teaching did. Uh, I moved into the media center from there, and then Stacy Lovedall left, and I was currently in grad school for ITFism. So I applied and 
somehow got the job. We still are questioning it sometimes, um, but we're very, I, I love this job. I love helping people. Um, I found a newfound love for high schoolers. I uh, don't really know why, but they are my favorite people to work with. So um, I have really enjoyed my time as an ITF. That's awesome. Well, I remember when we would you know, sit there in our trainings at Van Oak and we were fighting with the website for some reason, or we were, you know, all, just all the different things that we were doing. Now, now the place is completely different because they've renovated and I probably wouldn't even recognize it. So when we were talking beforehand, you were in, in kind of deciding, you know, what to focus on for, for, our, for this little segment. It was all about, you know, the creative ways that teachers have been finding to connect with students that a year or so ago, they probably couldn't have imagined themselves doing. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So first thing that was a huge haul for us was the LMS and training our teachers on using an LMS. A lot of our teachers were doing that, but not everybody. Even in emergency remote learning, it was still difficult to get everybody really using an LMS. So we have finally gotten a really good hold on that using that in an organized way. That was what we really focused on at the beginning of this school year. How do we organize it in a way that it's going to make sense for our students and it's going to be easier for them? Uh -huh. We love emojis. That was one of the big things we um, talked about was adding those emoji cues to those classes. A lot of our teachers use Google Classroom. We are mandated K-5 Google Classroom. And then 612, it kind of depends. They can choose between Google Classroom or Canvas. In our middle schools, they had to decide as a team. So as a team, they had to be classroom or Canvas so that it wasn't students going into many different places. Our CTE classes, of course, are in Canvas. So some of those middle schoolers did still have both. A lot of our teachers um, decided to be self-taught in some of those LMS, especially Canvas. We haven't done a huge haul of Canvas training as a district like we did with classroom. So we have some um, teachers who have gotten, gotten really good at Canvas. Mm -hmm. And we are kind of trying to move that way as a district as well, trying to get more people on board because we have learned through COVID well, all the really cool things that Canvas could do. We are really loving Google, uh, Google Meet especially, with all the new rollouts that have happened, those breakout rooms. Um, after this, I'm getting ready to go to our K-12 principal meeting to showcase one of our teachers who is actually using those breakout rooms as collaborative ways for her students within her classroom, even while they're sitting in front of her. So because of proximity and ways that they can't really get together and work like they used to be able to, they actually get in breakout rooms and work together, even though they're sitting across the room. Before, before you go past that, I have two questions because I know the LMS thing and how, you know, that at first, Canvas looks intimidating, and you know, for a lot of people, it, it's hard to jump into it. But then there's so many benefits once you do get in. But what I really, what I really want to ask you is about that collaborating in Google Meet, because we have seen so much where even though they're, 
in the classroom, they're spaced far apart. You can't have shoulder, you know, just think about shoulder partners. It's like, no, your shoulder has to be over there. Can you tell us more about how they're doing that? I don't want you to have to do your whole K-12 principal presentation now, but a little bit about that because it sounds like a great idea. It's a fourth grade math teacher at Mountain View. Mm -hmm. She does it for a very short period of time. So it's not necessarily... um, For them to learn a new concept, it's more of just the practice. So she doesn't intentionally group them. She does make sure that certain students aren't with other certain students because we all know how that goes. So she just sets them into breakout rooms. And what they were playing the other day that I recorded them, they were playing this really cool Among Us game. And they were having to find the imposture fraction. So there was a fraction that was not equivalent to the question, and that was the imposture. What they had to do is they had to solve the problem they had to share who they thought the imposture was with their partner. If they differed, they had to talk about it. The cool thing was, and that was something that we talked about before she even started, was just the noise in the room and whether or not they were going to be able to pay attention to the person on the screen because of all the noise in the classroom. They did a really good job. They've done it several times, of course, before we actually recorded. But you've also got to think like when that partner work is happening, there's noise around the room anyway. So our kids are kind of conditioned to that. What's really, 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 really cool about it is that she's got kids who are in quarantine and they still get to collaborate with the kids that are in the classroom. Mm -hmm. We are working up to, we have this, you know, a big goal of being able to collaborate across our district and even maybe even across the state at some point in time. So we're working towards getting the kids really used to talking in collaborative groups in those Google Meets. Then we're gonna take it to the classroom across the hall so that they can collaborate with the classroom across the hall, eventually working up to a classroom across the county so that they can work together and really start to talk. And that's what one of the huge benefits of COVID that I can see us moving forward with is just being able to collaborate with people. I mean, we've been talking about it for years. I mean, have we not been talking about four years, mm-hmm. how we can talk to kids in other places, but it's really come to fruition with COVID because we kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when, as you were describing it, though, it reminds me of Mystery Skype. Yes. You know, where you're going across the, you know, the county, across the hall, across the county, you know, across the wherever. So, and and it is true. I feel like COVID has really just pushed everybody to, to have to in so many ways that, Mm -hmm. um, that there, there's a lot of creativity coming to the surface. Another rewarding part is just, you've got those teachers who are reluctant but they had to jump in and then they realized that either one, it's really not that bad or two, they knew more than they thought they knew and they were better at what they thought they were better at. I think it's pushed some of our educators who may have been complacent or felt like they, you know, had it all together. It's pushed them out of their comfort zone, which has improved their teaching and their, you know, self worth. I think that it has pushed everybody to the limit, but I think a lot has come out of it that has been really good. Mm-hmm. So what other projects or um, collaborations have you had with teachers that you feel like this time or a little bit, I feel like this time last year, but now we're getting close to that's not going <clears> to, <throat> that's not going to work anymore. But anyways, that, you know, a year or so ago would never have happened that have turned out more successfully than the teacher 
probably would have imagined? Oh, that's a really good question. I think just being able to do the things in the classroom that typically would have just been for a certain group of people. For example, the Wax Museum, I think that's a huge project that most everybody does everywhere at some point in time. Typically, that's in your school gymnasium. Everybody's dressed up with their poster and you walk around and push the button, right? So because of COVID, we've been forced to make that virtual. But what's really cool about making that virtual is now it's not just in my school gymnasium. The school, you know, across the county or the school across the state can watch all this hard work that these kids have put into it. And it becomes more of a showcase, which... I feel like in the beginning of my NC Ties career, our showcases, that was what was really fun is that everybody could watch the research that the kids did. And the kids were so excited that people that they didn't even know cared. So that has been really rewarding that that wax museum is going to get taken. And those kids get that reward of more people that they don't even know commenting how much they love it. And I think it adds that motivation and that, um, excitement to the project that they didn't have before. And we work together a lot with teachers and having them do um, personalized learning. You get into um, personalized learning and, and it's been very personalized in that every teacher has been starting at you know the spot that makes most sense for them. And I can see how projects like that just lead right into you know, a more personalized experience for the kids. I was just going to say, so do you think that this has made some teachers a little bit more comfortable sharing on social media, doing those kind of things? Because when you're talking about that, how are you broadcasting those? Are you putting them on a website or are you live streaming like we're doing now or on YouTube or something like that? Typically, it starts, we have workplace within our county. So we utilize that a lot to connect with educators just in our particular system. Um, A lot of them are using Twitter now. They have really grown their PLN and Twitter. They also, some of them are in those certain like Facebook groups. Like I know the Bitmoji Facebook group, I find stuff in there all the time that may or may not be directly related to Bitmojis that I share with my teachers. So a lot of them are utilizing those Facebook groups. They have their PLN and Twitter. We also use Workplace. I think a lot of them also use us to get their word out. If they don't feel comfortable or they don't really have a presence on social media, they use us to share those out you know, and give attribution to them. Awesome. I've noticed a lot of the schools now have their own hashtag that, you know, and the teachers, and and at first you could tell the principal had decided we're going to tweet, right? But now that some time has gone by, you can tell that people are like, yeah, you know, not only do I want to share out, but I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting all this positive feedback from Twitter that it's become something that that they're doing because they, they see value in it. I think that's another COVID thing that has happened is that um, our schools have been forced to use their, not really forced, but our schools use their social media platforms a lot more to connect with their parents and the community. And then in turn, our school district takes those posts and turns it around to our school district page, which also has a huge following. So it gets that connection out. And I think that social media platform just from the school base has grown. And I know that our community has really enjoyed being able to watch all those things that happen within our classrooms. That's so true. I mean, we hear it, it is, it's, 
it's so difficult for everybody in, in so many ways, and, and there are you know, a lot of negative things that get shared. So having a way to get out, you know, it, it's just like you know, the, the walls of the building or the virtual walls are this little black box, and, and unless you are allowed a peek inside, you don't see. So you know, using social media in some way to share the good stuff that's happening is, is the best. Well, this is bringing us up to our, our 15-minute segment. So, Heather, I want to thank you so much for being our guest. At the end of each episode, we give you a spark, some idea to launch you into your practice. We encourage you to connect and collaborate like the teachers and students in Heather's schools. Consider how you could leverage virtual networking to bring in a guest speaker or an expert through video conferencing. Or perhaps you can build a collaborative experience with learners down the hall, across the district, or beyond. We hope to hear about your collaboration. If you have a story to tell, reach out. We'd love to feature you on a future episode of Podcast PDNC or Moments of Inspiration. Podcast PDNC. It's not sit and get. It's listen and launch. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Thanks for listening to Podcast PDNC. We'd love to feature your ideas and expertise on a future episode. To contribute and to find out more information, please check out our website at bit.ly forward slash podcast PDNC. That's bit.ly forward slash podcast PDNC. Podcast PDNC was written, recorded, and produced by the NCDPI Digital Teaching and Learning Innovative Learning Catalysts, Molly Holloman, Stacy Lovedahl, and Chris Bennett. It is available through our website, through Anchor.fm, and through Spotify, with more platforms to come soon. The sound effects used in this episode were taken from the BBC Sound Effects Library, which can be found at bbcsfx.acropolis.org.uk. Thanks for joining us, and we do look forward to hearing from you.